This is the second, uh, second talk in a series that I started a fortnight ago called A Life Well Lived. And it's a series about life and a series about discipleship and about how to live well in the ways of Jesus. And uh, it's been on my heart for a while and it, it's, uh, it's come out of this, uh, this scripture this beautiful promise from Jesus, from the Gospel of John, that he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And I just love this word, abundance. And it's what I'm speaking about. It's about, I want to speak about the good life because we all want to live abundantly and we all want to live a good life. Uh, We want it for ourselves, we want it for our families, we want it for our communities, we want it for uh, our globe, as we've heard before. And... Uh, our heart is for abundance, but how do we achieve this? And what I spoke on last fortnight is what are the, uh, who do we model our lives on and who do we learn from in order to live out a life well lived? Uh, last week I was doing some consulting work uh, and I was at a college and I took a photo and this is just a, uh, a photo that was up in one of the school classrooms and it says, always believe or believe in yourself, always. And I just thought it was really interesting given what I spoke about last week, about the, the heartbeat, the message, the, uh, I suppose the mantra of secularism, which really says that we are our own people and that the world revolves around me and that I need to believe in myself and do my own kind of self-fulfillment uh, projects in order to live a life well lived. And now I'm not anti-individual and I'm not saying that we shouldn't follow our gut, I'm not saying that we shouldn't follow our feelings at times because of course we should. But I think as an overarching philosophy of life and spirituality, as our modus operandum, it falls short. Uh, And I think it's just an interesting thing that I saw this poster this week. So our culture says that we are our own authority, which is what I spoke on last fortnight, uh, that we are um, to follow our own feelings and carve our own path and believe in ourselves and that we are the people that we should follow. But I suppose I believe that we follow a a better person, there's a smarter way and a way of actually following in the footsteps of Jesus who can teach us and train us how to live a life well lived, which is what I talked about last week. Uh, So look, if you missed my last talk, I did set the scene and I'd encourage you to head back and listen to it, but a life well lived, as I concluded, is a life following Jesus. And I believe that he is our template for a good life And he is our guide, he is our entry into how to live a full and rich and abundant life. And the term that I'm going to describe and talk about in detail is this term called discipleship. And discipleship is about modelling our life on the ways and the words and the works of Jesus in order to become like him, in order to follow our life on him and become uh, people who can live rich and full lives. Uh, And so I introduced a framework last fortnight, which was the why, the how and the what. So this is a quick overview. Uh, But basically, we've talked about the why, which is to become disciples, which is to look and act more like Jesus. And the how, which is the middle circle, are the principles of discipleship. So how... Uh, how do we apply almost timeless principles to transform how we live? And the principles I have here are uh, dying to self, learning through imitation, I can't read this far, here we are, hearing obeying his voice, up in and out in balance, organic and rhythm, organic and structured rhythms, and, and multiplication in movement. And I'm going to talk about these things, these principles in this series. And then the what is what it looks like on the outside, you know, praying, serving, loving, giving, 
um, reading, eating together, the things of the disciple. Uh, but my focus is on the how. And so last fortnight, I ended up talking about what it means to die to self, which I believe is the foundational principle of discipleship and disciple-making, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, who said, those who love their lives lose their lives. He says, take up your cross and follow me. And I talked about a, uh, a Catholic priest called Maximilian Kolbe and how he had a counter-intuitive or a counter-cultural way of living out a life well-lived. So next is uh, a principle about learning through imitation. I got the slide wrong. Um, is learning through imitation. But before I talk about learning through imitation as a principle of discipleship, I actually want to just dive back a bit and talk about the D word. And I'm sure you can guess what that is. <laughs> it's discipleship. Nothing rude. Uh, I had to get you here, you know, had to make it creative. So we're going to talk about the D word briefly and then we're going to talk about this principle, imitation. So let's read from the Great Commission, which is at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, he gives his disciples uh, a commission, a, a commander, uh, a purpose. You know, we might call it a big, hairy, audacious goal in business terms. So this is what it is. Okay, so all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age." This is a promise from Jesus. And I could give a whole sermon series just on this beautiful promise, but this is the part I want to focus on. Jesus says, go and make disciples, the D word. But look, what is a disciple? And what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to make disciples? You know, I believe that there is a lot of confusion around this word, disciple. And we use it a lot, it's become a religious word, and it's almost like we banter around and everything is disciple-making, but uh, we have a lot of confusion around it. And I just want to unpack it and make it simple. Because if we are to model our life on the life of Jesus and to experience abundant life, a life well-lived, then we are going to need a deeper understanding of this word disciple. We're going to need a solid theological and functional uh, foundation for what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, so let's go into a bit of Greek. I don't speak Greek, but I can look at the Greek dictionaries. Uh, the Greek, uh, so look, the Bible was not written in English. Okay, so the New Testament, the parts about Jesus, was written in ancient Greek. And the word in Greek for disciple is this word, methetes. And it, it literally means student or pupil or learner. And look, the word, it's interesting, the word Christian appears, can anyone guess how many times it appears in the entire library of Scripture? Three times. Three times. Okay, anyone guess how many times the word methetes is used in the library of Scripture? 269 times. But it's a lot more, isn't it? Yeah, and so we call ourselves Christians, but really we should be focusing on what it means to be a methetes or a disciple, a learner or pupil of Jesus. Simply put, a disciple is a learner. So whenever we see the word disciple in the scriptures, we can translate it to learner. Pretty simple, yeah? But you've got to ask the question, well, who or what am I learning? Because it, it, there's a context. It's not a general word in the scriptures, it's a specific word. And so the specific word is obviously we are learning from Jesus. So methetes in the scriptures means to be a learner of Jesus, which is pretty simple. 
Uh, Alex Absalon from 3DM says this, A disciple is a learner of Jesus, someone who is intentionally choosing to learn from Jesus in every area of life. I think it's a really good definition. A disciple is a learner of Jesus, someone intentionally choosing to learn from Jesus in every area of life. It takes away a lot of that religious confusion, doesn't it? We're just simply trying to learn from Jesus. But, and this is important, there, there still is a challenging problem with this definition. And it's not that the definition is wrong, but we can confuse it because of our cultural overlay and our understanding of what it means to be a learner. You see, Mathetes is not the type of learning that we default to in the Australian Western context. Uh, when we think of learner, we often default to the accumulation of head knowledge. We think about ideas and concepts, we read, we talk about um, and we share, you know, we talk about learning the scriptures or studying the scriptures, but that's a Greco-Roman worldview of what it means to be a learner. And the thing is that it's not really what Jesus meant by Mathetes. And so we need to kind of recalibrate this idea because Jesus was a Jewish man and he was a Jewish rabbi. And so his understanding of learning of Mathetes is very much shaped by his rabbinical Jewish heritage, his worldview, not a Greek worldview, and it was very, very different. So a rabbi was not a classroom teacher. It's not like uh, a lecturer in today's world. And disciples were not students in the way that we understand students in schools or universities or classrooms. So a rabbi would find a worthy person and would invite them to come and follow me. We hear this in the scriptures. We hear Jesus saying, come and follow me. And uh, the disciple, the learner, would then leave their home, their family, their, their way of living, and they would immerse themselves in uh, the rhythms of the rabbi's life. They would learn to live with the rabbi. They would eat with the rabbi at the rabbi's table with their family. They would sleep near the rabbi. They would ask questions. They would certainly learn information, but they would also observe the rabbi's life in order to become a mini version of that rabbi. So learning wasn't just about what they knew in their head. It wasn't about an exam. It was about becoming like the person that they were following. And that is what it meant to be Mathetes. In this way, learning is not limited to ideas and uh, concepts. Uh, to be a disciple is to model our life on our rabbi and to become little versions of them. There's this ancient... Jewish blessing, I quite like this. May you be covered, I wish I could do a Jewish accent, but may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And you know, this is how close the relationship was. The, the, the disciple would walk in the footsteps of the rabbi, copying how they walked, and they would be so close that the dust of you know, Palestinian dirt would actually end up in their faces. And uh, you know, I think we may like our teachers and we may value what they teach us, but we're not expected to model our life on their life. Does that make sense? It's a different idea. Uh, if we got so close to our lecturers that we kind of you know, walked in the dust of their I don't know, body odour, then it would be a problem. Okay? But, but this, is, this is the idea of rabbinic, rabbinical learning. And it's what the 12 disciples did. They ate with Jesus, they walked with him, they, they lived with him, they, they mimicked him, they copied him. Uh, they were so close, they even hung out at like, Peter's mother-in-law's house. It, they were that close. Okay? So it's like this immersion experience. And that's what a disciple is. So a, a disciple is a learner, a learner of Jesus, but more accurately, I would say the best word is apprentice. 
And it takes away some of that confusion. And you have heard me speak for the last year about us being apprentices of Jesus and about our apprenticeship to Jesus because that is what it means to be a disciple, to be an apprentice of Jesus. And so to be a disciple is an apprentice, to imitate his way, to follow his words, his works and his ways. And that is how we experience his promise of abundant life as we walk in his walk, as we orientate our habits, our heart, our mindset around the teachings and practices of Christ. And as we become like him, our rabbi, then our life starts to look spiritual, rich, full and whole. And that is the path of the apprentice of Jesus. So Mephites is apprentice. Very important concept. What is Mephites? Awesome. Okay. Before I was a pastor, business person and everything else, father, I was a physiotherapist. This was a long time ago. I did it for a long time though. And uh, physiotherapy is actually an apprenticeship. It's a way of learning through apprenticeship. And so the first year, uh, I, was, I was 17 years old when I went to uni, so I entered into this you know, university, university environment and uh, there was lots of study, you know, lots of head knowledge, lots of books. I love studying. I love reading. I was like a fish in water. Yeah, that's where they swim. So fish in water. And uh, so I learned anatomy and physiology, kinesiology. I learned gait analysis. Uh, I did lots of exams, lots of head study, and I got lots of distinctions. And I'm like, rock on. I'm just going to be an awesome physiotherapist. Look at me. Uh, and then I hit second year. And uh, second year is where it becomes an apprenticeship. And so I learned all this knowledge in my head, but now I had to actually apply it, you know, and I, oh, it's terrible. So my first placement was an orthopedic ward in a hospital. And I'd never talked to, a, you know, an older, you know, sick person, but my first patient was uh, someone who'd had a hip operation. I think they'd had a hip replacement, and they were like, what, not day one after their hip replacement, there were, you know, tubes with blood, and they had this thing on their finger, and, and uh, a catheter, and all these different, you know, beeping things around. It's quite a scary environment for like an 18-year-old, isn't it? And all I had to do was go in, say, hi, how are you? You know, do you mind if I, I'm a student, do you mind if I do some exercises? And I just had to kind of get them to move their legs up and down in the bed and assess their range of movement. Pretty simple, okay? But I walked in, nervous 18-year-old, you know, mumbled through something about being a student and, you know, they're like, okay, fine, etc. And as I went to kind of lift up the leg, being so nervous, I tripped over his catheter and it kind of falls off on the ground. Oh! Anyway, I'll let you know what a catheter is. But he wasn't very pleased with me. Uh, so this poor person, and then I'm sweating profusely, I'm like, oh, so sorry, and I put the catheter back on the thing, and, and he's kind of like, oh, it's okay, but I'm sure it's not, because if someone pulled my catheter, it wouldn't be okay. <sighs> anyway, so I finally did this kind of leg movement thing, and, and I finally got through this experience, and, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, thank God, like I finally finished it, you know, it took me 10 minutes, and as I went to walk out, I tripped over the catheter again. <laughs> so, ah! So that was my first patient. So there is a big difference between knowing how to treat a patient on paper <laughs> and actually knowing how to walk into a room and engage with people in real life. Uh, so the way of the apprenticeship in physiotherapy is that the tutor would come in, they would show me how to you know, not trip over a catheter, and then uh, I would mimic them and, and, and model, you know, copy what they did, and then we would have a reflective kind of time to reflect on what I did well, and then I would go back and I'd practice it again. So this is very much life-on-life -life experience, which is much more like a plumber or a barista or a, a carpenter, a hairdresser, you know, these apprenticeship-style uh, careers 
which actually allow you to observe, copy and learn. And so this is what it means to be an apprentice. And so this should be our primary imagination of what it means to be a follower or an apprentice of Jesus. Okay, not tripping over catheters. Don't let that be your primary imagination. But, but the imagination that, that we are meant to be and living the life that Jesus lives and learning to copy him with everything we are. You follow? Okay. Uh, so look, this is a quote from Mike Breen. Discipleship <coughs> is caught not taught. And I think that's a really simple way of remembering what it means to be a learner of Jesus. So it's not about head knowledge alone. It's about the heart. It's about the habits and the way we live our life out as apprentices to become like him. So we look like him rather than just learn to be like him. Uh, and, and then we have a life all lived. And this, this idea of discipleship as apprenticeship has enormous, enormous implications for what it means for us to be followers of Jesus uh, for what it means for us to do church, for teach, to teach one another to, to be trained in his ways. It, it must shape who we are so that we actually start to look like him. Now, look, I want to show you a little video in a second. Uh, this is Jethro when he was, well, a lot younger than he is now. And, look, over the holidays, I was going through my home video collection and putting videos together, and I found these classic videos, and I just figured I'd have to show it. But it spoke, it spoke to me about this principle of learning through imitation. And so I want you to watch this video uh, and let me know what you notice. I'm actually going to ask you, okay, so how is Jethro learning? How is he becoming more like his rabbi? Okay, go for it. <laughs> Poor kid, no wonder he's so messed up. Uh, so, what are, some, what are some... I mean, Jethro is learning, isn't he? Okay, so what are some ideas about, about what, what's happening here? Uh, copying. Someone said copying, yes. Modeling. Modeling. Emily? Um, just did it. <laughs> just, just, just did it, yeah. So. didn't fall over accidentally. He did it on purpose, so he was copying everything that you did. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it, how kids learn about what the adult world is like by just imitating us. Uh, and yet, when it comes to discipleship, we decide that the best way to sit is for you know, a man like me to sit and talk for 50 minutes and bore you while you all sit there passively. And so now we're learning. <laughs> Although, you know, so if you want to come up and do this with me, you can do this with me now. But no, my point is that like, this information is really important and information transfer is important, but uh, we've always learned through imitation right from the very beginning and, and what Jesus says is that is, our, that is our imagination of what it means to be Mathetes. So, look, let's open up the scriptures and talk about this second principle uh, in God's word, which is learning through imitation. 1 Corinthians, which is uh, a letter by the Apostle Paul to a bunch of house churches who he formed in Asia Minor, in Corinth, and he writes a letter to the Corinthian churches and he talks about what it means to be a disciple uh, and he uses this concept of learning through imitation. I am writing this not to shame you but to warn you as dear children. So he's talking to them as if he is their spiritual father and they are his spiritual children, okay? Because he, he supported the churches, he birthed the churches. So, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as dear children. If you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, 
you do not have ma- even if I'm sorry even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ you do not have many fathers for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel therefore I urge you to imitate me so we need to unpack this a little bit so what I've read is that guardian in Greek uh, is a concept and the word was pedagogos okay and it was the name given to a tutor or a teacher in classical Greek thinking. And so what would happen in a typical situation is a family would employ a guardian and they would live in the family, in the extended family, the oikos, which is uh, how people lived, not in nuclear families, and they would train the children of the household up to the age of 12 or 13 years old when they would come of age. And they would train them in reading and writing and logic and, and Greek thinking and arithmetic so that they could get the information they needed to participate in Greco-Roman life. But then something would happen which is interesting. At 12 years old, there would be a ceremony or a rites of passage. And what would happen is there would be a ritual and the family would kind of ceremoniously take back their children into the family trade and rather than learning from a pedagogos, a guardian, they would end up learning in an apprenticeship style away from their mother and their father. And so what would happen is girls would become yoked to their mothers uh, and what would happen is they would be shoulder to shoulder with their mothers and they would learn how to run the household like a woman. They would stand uh, beside them, they would learn to cook, they would learn to care for the sick, They would learn to manage the family income. They would learn to build networks. They would learn to be hospitable and do all the things that their mother did. And then the boys would uh, align themselves with their fathers and they would be shoulder to shoulder in their apprenticeship and learn the family trade. So we know that Jesus, for example, was a carpenter because Joseph was a carpenter. So whoever your father was is who you became in those days. And so what we see here is that Paul says it's, it's easy to find people who are guardians who will teach you information and talk about concepts and ideas. But it's hard to find a spiritual parent who will be shoulder to shoulder to you, who can apprentice you and show you and model you what it looks like to live the Christian life. That is more important than information and they are hard to find. It is hard to find spiritual mothers and fathers to help us to be apprentices of Jesus. Do you follow? So that's what Paul is saying. He gives that distinction. And it's interesting because he takes this rabbinical idea of rabbi and teacher, but in the Greek world they didn't have rabbis, so he had to think, how do I explain this idea of discipleship to a a culture much like ours, which doesn't get it. So he said, actually, the most close relationship is not a teacher, a guardian, and a student. It's a parent with a child. And and from Acts 21, it's fascinating in the scriptures for all the uh, Bible geeks, uh, it disappears. The word word disciple disappears, and the rabbinical idea disappears, and it becomes about parent and children relationship because Paul takes that Jewish idea and he contextualizes it into the Greek context. But all you really need to know is we are meant to be spiritual parents who apprentice our children. And so we teach people how to, uh, to pray. What does it mean to learn how to read? You know, what does it mean to uh, study the scriptures? What does it mean to do dishes like your rabbi, to, to love your wife or husband, to discipline your kids? What does it mean to be hospitable or share the gospel or prophesy or serve or heal? Not in theory, but through apprenticeship style learning. And this is the concept we're talking about. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, you are to imitate me just as I imitate Christ, which is the absolute key concept here that I want to pass on. 
So just pause for a minute before I move to my next section, which is uh, who, who are you imitating and who are you close enough to copy? Uh, so if you put, your, put yourself in, in the seat of a learner, who are you imitating? Who could you copy? And if you put yourself into the, into the perspective of a spiritual parent, then uh, who are you investing in and is your life accessible to others? Just reflect in silence uh, and then we'll move to the next bit. This is a helpful model, I'll be quick, and it comes from Mike Green from 3DM. This is what he says is the process of becoming an apprentice of Jesus. You need information to start with. So information is really important. Okay, you need head knowledge. Just like in my apprenticeship in physio, I needed to know my anatomy, I needed to know my physiology. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples through the Sermon on the Mount, he taught them in parables, he taught them uh, through teaching and preaching. We need information. Uh, Paul says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and so we need our minds to be changed in order to be apprentices. But this is the starting point, and if we end here, we get stuck in our walk with Jesus and we don't experience a full, abundant life. The second concept is imitation, which I've been talking about, which is about observation and immersion and spending time with people and mimicking their life on life. Uh, and again, uh, it's about opening our doors, our fridges, our lives, so that people can get immersed in our life and copy us. And the third concept is innovation. Innovation is important. And we want people to imitate us as we imitate Christ, but we don't want to create clones of ourselves. That's not what we're trying to do here. Okay? And so uh, I want Kaz or Tash or Kev, you know, all of us to be the best Tash, Kev, Kazes that they can be. I don't want them to be little Daniels. That would be a terrible disaster. Um, does that make sense? And so we need to copy Jesus to be like him, but we mimic other people in order to get there, and then we find our own flavor. So when I was a physiotherapist, again, I learned from my tutors, from my teachers, but eventually, after having practiced their ways and learning their, learn, learning their style of physio, I ended up finding my own flavor, my own way, my own language, my own uh, explanations and so it started to fit me and look and feel like me but the thing is you can't start with innovation you have to go around the triangle you have to do the hard work and learn you have to do the hard work and imitate before you can then innovate okay and we talked about that last week you can't just pull out a guitar and follow your heart you actually have to follow the process before you can improvise uh, do you like that that's good i'm elvis all right I'm going to show you another cute video, just because I can. And my daughter uh, entered high school this week, or last week, and I just figured, so I just have to embarrass her. So this is awesome. This is her doing handstands with Jethro. Okay, go for it. <laughs> First time practicing proper handstands. Whoops. Jethro's doing it too. Go, Jethro, you do one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's just, just too cute. Uh, I love how we learn through imitation. No point, I just really wanted to show that. Okay. <laughs> so look, I, uh, I don't normally quote uh, people from other religions, but this is a great one. Okay, Confucius say, uh, by three methods we may learn wisdom. 
first by reflection, which is noblest, second by imitation, which is easiest, and third by experience, which is the bitterest. And I think this is really true. You know, we can learn by making mistakes, by following our own way, and then hoping that we can learn through bitter experience, or we can actually find someone whose life mimics Jesus and learn to walk in their footstep, be covered in their dust, and then innovate uh, our own way once we've picked up how to live. Uh, so I think it's great. It's a universal phenomenon. Okay, so yes, let's get practical. Okay? How do we do this? How do we take this principle of learning through imitation and apply it in our own life? And uh, look, basically, I think imitation is super easy to understand. I mean, you just watch the video and you get the idea, right? But it's so hard to do in practice. I mean, there is a reason why, in all honesty, the church has been so bad at disciple-making in the West because we've thrown out this idea of imitation and it's just become this headpiece. And knowledge and Bible knowledge, I don't believe, transforms people's hearts alone. You need knowledge, but that is not enough to lead to a life well-lived. And so if we're going to try to work out how do you take this concept and apply it, then we need to start to really be serious about what it looks like. I, I don't know the full M-part story, but I'm, I'm, it has to involve discipleship, am I right? Yeah, and putting discipleship at the heart of what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus, to, to model your life and to practice being uh, a, a disciple. And I believe that if we're to reach our vision, which is to multiply house churches, missional communities across the suburbs of Hobart and to bring about transformation across Hobart in lots of small ways with people eating and sharing and loving and serving together, the heartbeat has to be imitation and discipleship. So two things are needed. Uh, this is my final part. So two things are needed. We need a posture of humility and I believe we need a posture of courage to take this seriously, okay? So a posture of humility uh, is about submitting our... Think of yourselves as a learner. We need to be humble to actually submit ourselves under the authority of Jesus and to be a learner uh, and to allow ourselves to be under the authority of other people. It's very humbling to say to someone, actually, I'm imitating you uh, to learn to be like you, especially as adults. Uh, and it's a posture of humility. The second thing that we need is posture of courage, which uh, if we are to be spiritual parents, so I'm flipping the hat now, then it takes a lot of courage to say, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ and to invest in people in that way. So I want to talk about it from two perspectives. There is something humble about being a learner, don't you think? I mean, if you are truly a learner, then you realise that you never make it. You always have this heartbeat and this posture, which is, I am trying to learn what I don't currently know. And to do that, you have to admit that you are like a child, uh, which Jesus says, we need to be like children, constantly learning and constantly on the lookout to grow. Uh, I love this quote that I came across this week from John Gardner. <laughs> you like this one, Mims? All right. Um, there is a myth that learning is for young people, but as the proverb says, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Don't you love that? It's awesome. I love that quote. And I resonate it. You know, the more I learn, the less I know. The older I get, the more I'm aware of just how much I don't know. And that is what it means to be a learner of Jesus. We are meant to be spiritually hungry and never stop learning. And, and to have a mindset that is just curious and is constantly trying to find out how can I be more like Jesus. Uh, you know, I've, I've met lots of people in my life who are the opposite of this. 
You know, I've met people who tell me how smart they are, how much of the Bible they know. They tell me what, you know, what they've done in their career. They tell me how many degrees they have or how many places they've travelled. And there's this sense that they've kind of learnt it all. I'm sure you've met people like that. You know, but that's the opposite of an apprentice of Jesus. An apprentice of Jesus is humble and they always know they need to learn more. They're curious. The curiosity grows with age and they put on these ridiculous hats to learn more. So it truly is true that it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Okay? And so if you want to be apprenticed, if you are hungry to be apprenticed, you know, there are many people here who will probably say, I don't know, I'm not, no one's ever apprenticed me in the way of Jesus. Well, then this is what I would recommend. I would say start by praying. Okay? Pray that you will find someone that you, God will bring you people uh, or maybe a person who can invest in you and who you can sit under and learn from and copy and mimic and become uh, the person you want to be. And what I've found is often it's not the people you think. Uh, it's not often the people that you think you'll copy. Sometimes God gives us revelation and we're like, that's the person I'm meant to imitate for this season of my life. And I, I'm always imitating someone. Uh, the next thing is ask. So I would say, be humble enough to ask someone if you can be an apprentice of them, if, if someone will invest in you, if you can spend time with people and learn from them. Basically, don't expect it to happen just to happen. Uh, be humble and seek people out. Uh, I would say, invest. It's going to cost you. There's no such thing as a cost-free apprenticeship. In fact, Jesus says those <laughs> it's going to cost you everything. So uh, it is going to cost us our time, our treasure and our talents. It's going to cost us time uh, and it's going to cost us our money. It's going to cost us just our energy and our effort if we're going to learn to be like Jesus. Now, when I started preaching a few years ago, I had no idea how to preach and I just felt completely overwhelmed and I'm like, I just have to apprentice myself to someone because I haven't done the Bible college thing, I don't know how to preach. And so I prayed and there was a person in the UK that I felt, I really want to copy you, I want to learn from you and so I ended up calling them, having conversations, I ended up investing my time uh, and they put me into a, a huddle with a number of leaders, I spent an hour and a half every week with them for a year uh, at a ridiculous time of the day because it was like in the UK but I learned what it meant to communicate uh, I learned information and I got them to, to teach me how to do it uh, I, I invested, you know, I put thousands of dollars into that coaching relationship uh, because it's important they, they, had, they needed to uh, make an income from this time I learned to preach, you know, and, and we put in uh, not just time and money but we put in our, my talents so I, I had to do homework, I had to practice, I had to learn, I had to put forward my ideas and have people critique me, which is pretty hard. Uh, but hopefully it's helped me to step along the journey of Jesus and to learn something of what it means to be a preacher. Do you follow? So we just do that in so many different ways, but we need to invest. And the last thing is uh, community, please. Uh, I, I just I can't emphasise this enough, and every sermon that I give, every talk I give is about community. Basically, you can only be apprenticed in a community. Uh, community is just so, so, so important. That is how Jesus apprenticed. There is not a single example in the New Testament where Jesus asked someone to be discipled uh, in a one-on-one -on -one relationship. You know, the 3DM says that even when Jesus said, go get a donkey, he sent two people. <laughs> so there is no context where Jesus disciples one-on-one. -on -one. It is always in a community context. And that is, it's more effective and it's more sustainable because you can see not only Jesus in me, but you can see Jesus in Jules and Michael and Kev and Tash and, and Tom and Elizabeth. Do you know what I mean? You can see Jesus in multiple people and see how they engage and interact. And so you learn so much faster in a community. Um, join a community if you're not in one. 
And the, the last thing I'd say is particularly for teenagers, and I was just praying today, and the thing I'd say, because we have heaps of young people here, which I think is amazing, but I would say that the, the friends you make uh, are really important. And uh, the research says you become like your friends to a large extent. So as you make new friends, uh, be prayerful that you can find friends who uh, can mimic the, the ways of living that you want to model and learn from. Uh, I just think it's really important. And also seek out spiritual parents as well, aunties and uncles, as well as respecting parents. But seek out uncles and aunties in us because we've got some great wise people who you can learn from. And, and that's what I needed to do when I was a teenager and it blessed me tremendously. Um, okay, so the last thing is courage. Posture of courage. You're awake? Excellent. So we've talked about what it means to be a learner and to apprentice ourselves to others. We need to also learn what does it mean to be a spiritual parent and to invest in others. And I believe it takes great courage. There is a 1990 slogan that says, don't follow me, I'm lost. <laughs> we've all seen this, I'm sure. And it makes a whole lot of sense. But that's not the slogan of someone who is trying to be an apprentice of Jesus. Uh, we're actually meant to be eventually able to say, follow me, I'm found. Very un-Australian. Yeah? Very un-Australian. But this is what Dallas Willard says. It sounds bold to say, follow me, I'm found. But that is exactly the type of boldness that we are to attain as we become more like Christ ourselves. In other words, we are to get to the point where we can say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me because I'm found. Uh, as disciples, we are called to produce fruit. And as we learn to walk in his ways, as we learn to follow his footsteps, our lives, God willing, will start to look and act more like Jesus because they will, they will become more abundant because we become more like our Saviour. It's not a formula. Uh, there's not a set of rules. But, but we are to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, patience, love, kindness, joy, humility, uh, self-control. In fact, I should ask the kids because we asked them to learn it uh, with the banana song, but I still can't remember it off the heart. Um, so, uh, what I'm not saying is that we are to be Jesus. We're not Jesus. We're very, very flawed. We're very broken. And what I'm not saying is that if you are in the dark night of the soul, if you're in a place of brokenness, if your life is actually quite... If you, if you can't say, look at me, I'm found at this stage, then, then that's okay. You know, God loves you, he is with you. I'm not saying that we are meant to fake it till we make it. I'm not saying we're meant to have everything together. Okay, that, that isn't the gospel. We're saved by grace, not by works. We're not saved by self-fulfillment projects. We're saved because Jesus died for us. Yeah? However, at the same time, what I am saying is in spite of our brokenness, we are to... Become like Jesus, and that leads to a transformed life. And there comes a point where we should be able to say, after walking with Jesus, follow me because I've learned something about Jesus and there's something in my life worth imitating. If we can't do that, we may, get, we may be we're stuck here, but it hasn't translated into the way we live. Do you follow? And that, that can be a challenge for us. Uh, I love this quote again from Mike Breen. You don't have to be a perfect example, but a living one. And that is what we're trying to do. We're simply trying to be living examples of Jesus so that you can imitate us and become like Christ. So it takes courage. And if we're going to be spiritual parents and, and call others into our rhythms and to say, come and follow me and you can learn something from me, 
then we need to always point to Jesus. You know, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples. He has authority because he died on the cross and rose again. And because of his authority, we have authority. It doesn't come by believing in ourselves. It comes by actually trusting in the one who transformed life and death. And as we walk in his ways and practice his rhythms, his authority is given to us. And therefore we can say, come follow me or imitate me as I imitate Christ. In fact, we're not really saying imitate me as I imitate Christ. We're saying imitate Jesus in me as I imitate Christ. Do you follow? So we're not really pointing to ourselves. We're pointing to Jesus that has transformed us from the inside out. And so to summarize, the D word is discipleship. Okay? And it's a really important word. It's the key word, I believe, that we need to recalibrate and recapture if we are going to become like him. The word disciple is mathetes, and the heartbeat of that is a learner or an apprentice of Jesus. And apprenticeship is caught, not taught. Learning is through imitation, okay? not just through information. You need information, you need imitation, and then you get innovation. Uh, we need a posture of humility if we are to be learners of Jesus because it takes a whole lot of humility to not be our own individuals and to say, actually, I'm going to submit myself and learn from you as, an apprentice, uh, as a rabbi for a period of time uh, in order to become more like Jesus. And it takes courage to actually turn around and say, come and imitate me as I imitate Christ. Pretty simple, but hopefully you can take some stuff away from that. So look, let's pause for a moment. And uh, I don't want this to, to be a big, long lecture. <laughs> and it can be, because we're so used to it, aren't we? But, but I want you to be able to respond in some way. So stand up, if that's okay, and just reflect. I'm going to give you silence for the introverts in the room. And, and I just want, I want you to reflect on what is God saying to you? What, what stands out to you? What, out of this idea of imitation and learning through imitation, connects with your heart? Are you someone who is hungry for discipleship and are you hungry to grow? Who could you imitate? What would you be willing to give up to learn? walked with Jesus for a long time and, and God is nudging you to be a spiritual parent who is he calling you to invest in how can you make your life accessible for imitation what will we do about it in the next week